Well, next week is our big conference, Spring One Platform, uh, over there in uh, Moscone West. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, do you, are you supposed to say Moscone West instead of just Moscone because you're humble? Like, what? Uh, why do I do that? Yeah, I don't know. It's like an east-west divide, mm. you know, that you don't want to be on the east side. I don't know. I think west is the place to be. Yeah, it's definitely, I definitely think it's it's probably the newer, well, I think they're redoing the main area, but it's the nicer one. It has it has that, you know, I, I was, uh, maybe about four or five years ago, I went to Toronto on, on a little, back when I was an analyst, a little, one of those little junkets where they like get an analyst to come in and then you get some, uh, some floppy chicken and a storage vendor pitches you. You know, that kind of situation. Sure. Uh, my recommendation is uh, don't do those unless, <laughs> unless you as the analyst are very desperate. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a good excuse to kind of get out. But like unless you're really going to work that as a travel expense thing, it's going to be more than it's worth unless they pay you really well. Anyhow, I was driving around there and it's like condo town. And I realized that basically all glass nowadays has this blue mm-hmm. tint to it. And so I'm sitting here in a uh, lovely loft, uh, brand newish kind of here in Charlotte. I seem to come to Charlotte a lot and I'm looking out and there's a Wells Fargo building across the street that has this blue glass. And so my prediction is just like, you know, the first time I went to Silicon Valley, I was driving around and I thought like, this looks like all the background shots from the fall guy that I used to watch, you know, it's got <laughs> kind of like, like ranch style wooden stuff behind trees, like it has this to me, very eighties feel. And I think several decades from now, when you see this blue glass, you'll be like, man, the early 2000s were awesome. It's a good time. Or maybe not. We'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know. Am I off base? Do you feel like blue glass is sort of like a recent phenomena that you see everywhere in buildings? I mean, I think I'm going to notice it more now, now that you've highlighted it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Also, I'm focusing on your Fall Guy reference, not the Great American Hero or what else you could have sported there. Yeah. Fall Guy. Yeah, I might uh, have that song go. I might be with Cheryl no, Teagues or In Some Hay. <laughs> I, for, I forget which the way it goes. I was watching something the other night. Oh, I was watching, there's, there's this, and then we'll get to the actual stuff, but there's, uh, there's this new documentary about uh, Jim Carrey being in uh, that Man on the Moon movie. Right, and, yeah. and it was interesting to see all the, like, he used to wear, like, uh, Talking Heads class sports coats. It's interesting to see all the uh, historic footage of stuff. That's, that's a pretty good movie. It's uh, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I've heard. Man, and he's got a wicked beard going on there. It's very, well, very well grown. Not too shabby yourself. I know. I was, I was getting a little inspired. I was, I was thinking about what is the difference. I think one, he has let it grow long. Well, there's two. One, he's let it grow long, and two, he doesn't shave his upper cheeks like I do, right? So you see the very long. It's kind of like this curvy thing. And then two, I'm sure he had like a five hundred dollar beard cut or something, right? Like. You know, I, I would assume that uh, he doesn't have a family of birds living in it, like you know, you pay after a long time. Yeah, okay. yeah. Or that, uh, what's the name of the guy in Lord of the Rings who's got the birds living <laughs> in his head, on on top yeah. of his head? I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no. So I guess Jim Carrey avoids that. That's good. Yeah, I don't know. He's close to that wizard. We'll see. Uh, anyhow, so like I said, next week at Spring One Platform. So uh, Richard had the good idea uh, to kind of go over what our picks are and a little preview of it, and uh, we'll get to that soon. But as always, there's been a little bit of news. I mean, there's a lot of news going on right now. Mm-hmm. You got the Amazon reInvent, uh, which I would like to commend you, Richard, on properly casing and spelling the reInvent conference. Very good in our show notes. I, I, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's attention to detail, though. That's what makes this podcast special. I was, I was writing, I was editing, uh, giving some suggestions to a piece that one of the new, one of our two new team members on my team, Paul, was writing about Kubernetes. And 
I spent a lot of time consternating about how you write dot .cloud. Now, of course, you go look <laughs> in Wikipedia, the D is lowercase, which is mm -hmm. fine. And this, the C, of course, is uh, uppercase. Right. I forget what they call that. That's not camel cases. It are studly caps. There's one. Anyways. <laughs> wow. It's like mega tangent episode here. But, uh, uh, but then what do you do when it's at the beginning of a sentence? This is very difficult. Yeah, mind blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This reInvent Week, you know, I just got done watching some of the the morning keynotes. I mean, mm. as usual, tons of great stuff. Good stuff on databases. Good stuff on containers. The long expected Kubernetes announcement from them. Some really cool stuff with with geographically scaled databases and you know, open serverless database. At least positioning it as such. You know, bare metal servers. The usual complete craziness of stuff, which is great. And at the same time, it's all the the notices on Twitter, you probably see these too. Like, you know, this was just the sound of a thousand startups screaming out in, a, in horror as their business model went away. It seems to happen every year where everyone gets really nervous, but then I don't know. It doesn't seem like it kills all the startups. So no, it no. still seems like there's a lot of value in having things that aren't sitting in one cloud, even if that one cloud is awesome. Yeah. That people still like technology that might not be pinned to one place. Yeah. I mean, you know, for uh, as a side note, for all the creative destruction, uh, babbling about startups. It sure takes them a long time to die. <laughs> <laughs> At least the failed ones. But yeah, yeah, over in uh, over in our software-defined talk, my other podcast, uh, Slack channel, one of my co-hosts has been, uh, I guess, live slacking uh, the announcements. Mm. So I was flying out here to Charlotte this morning, so I missed it. And, uh, and uh, you know, but yeah. So is it, is, it, uh, is it EKS or AKS? What do they call in their container service? Oh, I want to say it's EKS, and there's really we're almost out of vowels or letters to stick before K, so nobody else can really do that anymore. So yeah. the KS is going to be tough to, to keep doing. Yeah, and and what what it, so what's the deal with that? What's uh what's your take your quick hot take on that? I don't have enough quick hot takes yet. I have to digest it all. But you know they're offering some ways to just run kind of straight up Kubernetes. They're offering this other technology that almost sits in front of it and hides all the scheduler, which is interesting. So. Again, as usual, kind of giving you multiple ways to consume stuff, which has mm. also allowed the cottage industry to pop up to help people pick among the 14 databases and, and 16 ways to run compute. Yeah, yeah. The only, the only, uh, and and you know, I, I'm interested to see how the. I mean, I you know, obviously we uh, pivotal a part of it. I'm interesting to see how the uh, Kubernetes landscape evolves over the next year with respect to sort of two things. One is like. Uh, uh, how nice people are, <laughs> which is always fun. And and so far, it's just been a lot of like, uh, not even welcome to the party stuff. But like, you know, you had the, the Heptio, I forget which one of the founders is just like, oh, that's great. It's so nice that Amazon is here, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, which is good. So so we'll, we'll see what goes on there. And then second, there was actually a, uh, I don't, I forgot if I put a link to here, but I'll have to put one in now. There was, there was a really good uh, write-up uh, in Computer Weekly, of all places, I, that's kind of a backhanded uh, side <laughs> comment. Uh, I've actually been reading them recently, and they have a lot of good coverage. But uh, it was a very thorough piece about how basically the big tent strategy at OpenStack has been declared not helpful. Uh, and, and all the way up to Jonathan Bryce, you know, the executive director, talking about how they're not doing that anymore. And so, you know, comparing the Kubernetes community to the OpenStack community may gall people, but it is the thing one would do. And so it'll be interesting to see how all the uh, vendor concerns and stuff are managed. What size tent gets installed? Or maybe a canopy. 
I well, that's. I mean, I'm interested in your take because you're an, an industry watcher and you've got some uh, some history as you keep an eye on things. Is it almost unlike OpenStack though? This wasn't widely embraced by some of the new age vendors, mm. if you will. It was embraced by a lot of the existing tech conglomerates as ways to run private cloud stuff. So, I mean, have you seen something where there's this sort of hot thing that everybody, including you know, again, the newest providers. I mean, now you have Google, Microsoft, Amazon, let alone IBM, let alone the other 25 certified Kubernetes providers all offering something, yeah. and many of them claiming to offer vanilla. So yeah. not changing anything upstream, just kind of making it kind of more interesting, better. That's fascinating, but you're right. I mean, where do you start jostling there? You can't just kumbaya your way through the whole thing, can you? Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and I mean, as a, as a con confirming side note, that's the other thing I've, I've been noticing and is worth tracking is, uh, how often people say they're doing vanilla mainline stuff, right? Because that is a very, um, it's not its not deeply coded, but it's a very specific comment yeah. on this is ultimately compatible and uh, not- Zero lock-in, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, which did not happen in the OpenStack world. Um, I don't know if it was by design or, or whatever, but it ended up being on purpose. <laughs> Anyways, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, as far as a comparison, I mean, I don't- um, I mean, short of like everybody running MySQL. Yeah, yeah, running, yeah. That's about it. Even, even that's a little different because that's like to overly nuance it, which is the point of the question. Like there's single source open source and then there's multi-source open source. And I think I'm sure I'm missing some infrastructure thing. Like let's just get rid of way, way back when all the IETF RFCs and how that drove things or didn't. I mean, because that, that's pre-internet time. Well, not really internet. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's too far back. Uh, but I mean, even Linux is not really like that. There's been competing distros that are just like infinitesimally incompatible enough to be meaningful. Uh, and, and early on, like it didn't, it took a long time to shake out to just be the, uh, you know, Red Hat basically, and then Canonical and a little bit of Susie or Suse. Um, and then, so, so it's kind of, Linux has kind of ended up that way, but it, I wouldn't say it started the same way that like Kubernetes seems to be. And then, I don't know, really the only thing I would pull, and maybe, you know, from your, your, uh, your uh, neck of the woods, so to speak about this, but like Java was pretty good at all of this, like, mm -hmm. and, and it kind of fragmented out for a while. And, and uh, you know, you can just go look up any debate that involves the, the guardians of the Java or whatever to mm. see how, you know, you got all sorts of stuff going on there that we, uh, we get yeah. pulled into, but um I would argue even now, like Java is pretty much like a multi-source standard thing. And I think what consternates a lot of people is how broad that has become. But early on, back when there was a two in J2EE, um, vendors would differentiate on performance and manageability, right. but they wouldn't really differentiate on what the developer saw, right? Like there really was this true idea that you would be able to run your Java code for the most part, on any app server or any platform. And um, I would suspect, just as with will happen with Kubernetes, like, sure, you're going to have to change your IP addresses <laughs> or, or something sure. like that, right? And, right? and, you know, you'll have to change these kind of undergirding things, whatever that girding tends to be. But in general, so far, the goal looks like your application code won't have to change all that much. I think so. that's that's mostly yeah. I think that's that's pretty fair. What you saw with Amazon even this week, and you see with others is as always, just like with serverless, is that you're trying to connect to the other services. Like yeah, Kubernetes is vanilla, but by the way, you know, multi-homed, you know, serverless Aurora from Amazon has no equivalent 
really elsewhere. Not yeah. the same way. Yes, there's interfaces, but for the most part, you're trying to connect me to your really sticky services like S3 and others. So yes, I can move the container, but I can't move any of the stuff the container talks to. So I don't know. Maybe there's a long game in there of just commoditizing the compute to just nothing. And then it's always about the interesting services that kind of keep me in your walled garden, which, yeah. hey, kudos. That's not a bad strategy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you, you read over this for me, but if I ever actually get out this piece I'm writing that answers this question for the <laughs> register, then maybe I'll be able to refer people to it. I think, I think I'm finally done. I'll see. There you, you go. I, I well had, done. I had, I had to, I made the little changes we talked about, and I think, I think it, it works out well. But, a little uh, less swearing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, less swearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see. So also in other news, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I didn't actually go read this in detail, but it looks like there's 51 companies. Is that right, or is it 50 that you can? 51. You can, yeah. 51. Yeah. I, hopefully one is the bonus one. I think one of the worst pieces of writing advice that the world ever gave is that in your conclusion, you should add something as a bonus, which is just hmm. annoying, right? Just keep, it, just keep <laughs> it to 50. You don't need to surprise me with 51. Anyways, uh, but you know, I, think, I think we were included on that list as a good we place are. to go work at, to bet your career on. I think as, uh, who was it? Uh, not Lisa Loeb, that's a singer, but who's the, uh, was, it, was it Sheryl Sandberg or Marissa Meyer said when Eric Schmidt was hiring her for Google, he was like, mm -hmm. uh, if you see, if someone offers you a seat on a rocket, don't ask them what you'll be doing, just get on the rocket, which I, yeah. that's, that's probably good advice for uh, high growth companies if, if you're into that kind of thing. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, sheesh, I left a vice president job to take a job with no job definition at Pivotal. Mm. So, yeah. you know, you got to take a leap of faith when you, you trust where you're going to go work. So, right. yeah, it was good to see us on the list. I mean, I, I included this not just for, you know, self-congratulatory backslapping, but also like this is a good list to go over and kind of see what because this is a list of enterprise startups, right? Kind of enterprise centric. So for our listeners, I think it's just good to go through that list and see kind of what's interesting right now. Where, where are the problem spaces that you're seeing some innovative thoughts here. And it's not just going to come from Amazon or Microsoft or Google. It's going to come from these other companies that have sometimes a very specific thing they're tackling around security or data or what have you. So I think it's just a good list to get a sense for where the market is, as well as, look, if you're a little bored in what you're doing right now, maybe these are, all of these look like good opportunities for people. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It is, it is always good to get a uh, um, unicorn listicle reassessment. <laughs> of, of 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 companies and and I think you know just uh just skimming through it I think I think what you see nowadays is a lot of these kind of companies they're not what I would call necessarily always although these ones look like it they're not always like tech companies like a lot of companies are uh using software and technology to change the way that they're doing things which sounds trite right. and helpful I'll move on to the next one <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the so also, uh, let's see, what, what, what are the next items we got? I'll let you take yeah, over listen, there, One of the next ones, Azure, Microsoft announced this interesting, uh, they keep adding these sort of tuning capabilities to their, their cloud database. And I included this because Oracle touted the same thing when they had their conference at Open World a little while ago as well. That you like, here's this database that just runs. Like you don't really need people. It just kind of self-tunes itself. It does backups. It does whatever. And you're seeing this again in the cloud. Heck, you're seeing it from Amazon today. Like, hey, don't worry about backups. Don't worry about this hey, we're going to automatically scale up and scale down your database based on usage. Don't even worry about it. This, this interesting move towards almost skipping, skipping the DevOps of databases and just say, like, we'll just take care of it all for you at the platform level. You don't really have an ops story as a DBA. So I don't know where that trend's going, but it's interesting to see so many more of these databases become a little more autonomous with really no way 
to manage them as a DBA. Like you're purposely hiding all that stuff from you. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you think Just of that? The idea of I was reading. What, what what do you what do you think of like the 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 future of caring about what happens inside your database is? You know, I used to spend a lot of time. Uh, what do they call it? An Oracle plans or traces or something? And, <laughs> sure. and uh, I don't know. Is that is that still going to be a thing? I mean, I think it, when you when you have like Oracle declared this, and I think Microsoft did too, is almost AI powered. So it's not just a couple of simplistic rules that say, hey, if this query is slow, do this. It sounds like it's actually meant to be something that learns over time or gets smarter mm. based on all these other customers running in the cloud. So I guess I kind of trust the machine in that case over a person who goes this, this is how I'll look at this query optimization and make a change. You know, maybe that's, but it's going to be so hard to pull that out of a DBA's hand because that's something yeah. that you know what, that's a real good skill set. That's Those are smart folks. So is that going to be the next sort of blocker in terms of introduction of technology? Is DBAs going, yeah, yeah, I don't like this weird black magic database you're bringing in here. I like tuning. I like sizing. I like those things, even though a developer just wants a database on demand that it, it kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I get this is a, a completely incorrect characterization, but I often <laughs> think of like uh, machine learning as brute force dumb AI in the sense of, if you have a big enough scale, just try a bunch of stuff out and see what works and then and then repeat that cycle over and over again. And, you know, for example, in that sense, it's sort of like uh, if I've got the entire corpus of the English language uh, of the web, I can tell you how to probably spell things right. somewhat accurately. Just just not by knowing the like ontological way you should spell things, but just like, I don't know, this word is there is spelled this way most of the time. So that's probably mm -hmm. what you want. I'm, I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. But anyways, like, it, you know, it'd be interesting that if you're running at like a public cloud scale, uh, you're running your database stuff. I have no idea what the fine print stuff about this is. But in right. theory, you could just like try out a bunch of stuff and see what the optimal way to configure your databases are and to, to tune the performance. And and then um, it would be nice to like reflect that back to the uh, the broader community to kind of pool and then share best practices. Yeah, I mean, data seems like the next frontier. I mean, we, we, we saw this with Amazon this week. We're going to talk about it even spring ones with the data and DevOps and modern data. It seems like we figured out a little bit apps. Like we, I think we figured out the right way to do apps and deliver apps and architect them. And not, you know, it still takes a while for that to become totally mainstream, but there's some really definitive patterns there. I think it's starting to emerge for data. That's where we're all turning our gaze to. I think that's a great thing. And so then, uh, speaking of the data area, over, over here in Pivotal Cloud Foundry land, there's, uh, there's now MongoDB as, as a service, right, uh, added officially? It is, yeah. They put a blog post up themselves, just making it on-demand, which, again, I'm glad they use the on-demand broker. Get yourself a, an enterprise cluster. MongoDB is obviously still really popular, successful technology. They had a good IPO. So, you know, some people still see it as somewhat simplistic, but our friend James Governor wrote a great post that, you know, if you attribute MongoDB's growth to good marketing, you're not paying attention because what they did was actually solve a convenience problem better than anyone else, and that is why developers treat it like a go-to. So let's give props where they, you know, deserve. And even in enterprise, it seems like Mongo's getting good traction. So I love seeing that as a, an integration into PCF now. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with one of our uh, uh, customers recently, and they're rebuilding their whole platform. Uh, and they have Mongo at the center of it, which which hmm. seems nice. They ha I, I I actually ran into the person who's the uh, the Mongo admin. I mean, in, in a platform context, it's a little you know he's building it out, 
and also running it. And uh, yeah, I mean, in my my Thomas Friedman style, uh, getting in a taxi and telling you how the world operates thing. Like I think uh, I think Mongo, Kafka, and Cassandra like come up over and over again as the data source. I assume that's also because people just don't mention MySQL or MySQL or whatever you're supposed to call it, MyraDB, that must be used right. everywhere as well. But it certainly seems to have uh, proven out to be something that people want to use that has staying yeah. power. Absolutely. Now you got to give the people what they want. I mean, arguably, again, I mean, you even again, if I go back to reInvent again, when Angie Jassy's on stage saying, look, our container service is popular, but you're asking for Kubernetes, that's what we're going to give you. Sometimes that's what it takes is that you might say Mongo is not your best choice and you want to use something else, but that's what the people want and it solves a great problem. So I like when platforms at least uh, are a little pragmatic about what they offer. Absolutely. Well, I'll just uh, uh, throw out two other items and then we'll get to the, uh, the Spring One platform news. So uh, in, in, our, in our ongoing effort, I think, especially as, as older people ourselves, it's always good to worry about like making sure that you have, uh, uh, I wouldn't even use the word diversity, but that you widen the aperture to all of humanity to hire from. And uh, you know, I wrote a column on this in the uh, the register a couple months ago, or maybe it was a month ago. I, I forget. And uh, there, I, I came across a survey. Now, it was done by like a, uh, I don't know, recruiting or HR company or something. So mm-hmm. whatever. You, you can get that bias. But I think at least on this point, it uh, there was an inter- in the coverage of it, there was interesting uh, commentary on how uh, old people, turns out, and by old, they mean people in their 30s. So there's that going on. But uh, old people are a lot more stable as employees. So when you uh, spend a lot of time, if, if it's like a high tech sort of role or a high skill role, and especially with domain expertise, you spend a lot of time training them. And, uh, you know, if they just leave all of a sudden, then uh, you've wasted that. And, and it sort of uh, has a huge cost to it. So it might be cheaper to uh, buy young people and they might be more thrilling and, uh, you know, stay later or whatever. But Probably at the end of the day, it's good to have a, a mix in that portfolio. So there was a bunch of other stuff in there that was interesting, but especially for like, you know, in talking with uh, the enterprises who want to improve how they're doing their software and, and do the digital transformation and stuff. I think thinking about your workforce and your hiring practices comes up all the time. And it's good not to uh, not to get lost down the hole of hiring a bunch of like, you know, hoodie college dropouts. Or digital and, uh, natives, apparently. Digital natives. That's that's the one. That's the Don't one. Don't use that word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can you can hire the people over thirty. They can still wear hoodies, but you know they might be a little more stable. There's there's <sighs> there's good lumber in that pile in the back. Yeah, I mean, you know, Amazon got a lot of credibility for some from experienced hires this year from you know Adrian Cockroft, James Gosling, others that they've brought in the fold. And yeah, there's some awesome experience there. There's also great stability, some great technical leadership, and. People who are still coding every day. It's not like they're just hand wavy, you know, PowerPoint people. These are the people who are still bleeding edge. So, you know, look, the person who people who work at Pivotal, like we have a great age range here on the engineering side, people building modern frameworks at all stages of life. That's again awesome to see. Mm. You know, speaking of, our uh, our head of engineering reminded us that we have a slew of programming and development jobs open and designers and product managers. So if you're interested in that, coming to work at Pivotal that hires all ages. You might be forced to wear a hoodie at some point, but that'll That's be true. fine. Uh, you, you, you could just go over to, what is it, pivotal.io and go to the bottom and find the jobs thing. But there's, there's uh, especially over the next uh, eight or 12 months, there'll be a lot of new jobs there if you want to, uh, as I like to say, have a job that sucks less. 
There you go. Put off retirement for a few years and do something fun. That's right. That's right. And as long as you put me down as a referral, I'll be <laughs> No, no, I want that. <laughs> that's Richard right. Sent you. We'll, we'll, we'll attribute it to the podcast and, uh, <laughs> and make a trust fund. The, the podcast fund. We'll buy some new microphones. Nice. So, so then, uh, you know, go to the, the show notes at, at uh, pivotal.io slash podcast to find that link about the survey. And then this other one, there's also just, uh, there's, there's, um, a good a good interview with uh, charity majors about what observability is and and monitoring and logging and that kind of thing and I think as uh, as to name check him again as James Governor pointed out to me last time I had uh, lunch with him observability seems to be the uh, the way to talk about all this this management and, and systems management stuff nowadays so it's it's interesting to keep track of the evolving notion of what that is and I mean you know. I think ultimately a lot of observability comes down to the classic problems of uh, monitoring and log management, which is uh, it's really hard to get the right data because people don't usually instrument their, their code. So you should right. instrument your code. <laughs> right. um, you should make it observable. And then, of course, there's the old thing of like, you know, you want to you want to avoid event, you know, storms and only focus on what actually matters. And I'm sure there's some more high science and, and fanciness to it. But yeah, it's always good to improve the way you do monitoring stuff. And she makes some uh, good points in that interview. So, yeah, as mentioned, next week, what is it, December 4th and 5th? I feel like it's three days. No, it's three, yeah. Get your three, right. three to fifth. Sending people wrong to the conference. Like, yes, uh, yes. What are you doing? Yes. Yeah, no, I think it's five, five, uh, four through seven, technically, uh -huh. with the big stuff happening, five, six, seven. There you go. Don't worry, I have all my travel and hotel booked. So <laughs> my, my computer will just tell me what to do, and I will show up at the right place. Mm -hmm. But yes, starting, starting I guess, on uh, Monday and wrapping up, right. what, was it Thursday or something? I, uh, yep, you know, Thursday afternoon. We did the uh, smart try to end around lunchtime on Thursday so people mm. flying East Coast can still catch their flights and everyone doesn't just dribble out throughout the whole day. So by the end of the day, there's like six people. You yeah. really want to just have a nice, strong close and, and not keep people going yeah, by. That's good. That's good. And, and, and you, I have not curated a list of sessions, but you, I just read it on the, the plane over here. You came mm -hmm. up with a wonderful list of... Uh, not only suggested sessions, but you categorized them, which is amazing. That's right. And, and I don't so, mess around. Give us, give us some, uh, well, first of all, like, how would, you, how would you describe the tracks? What are the buckets of types of content that people could expect? Yeah, we're very clear, uh, Peter Humphrey on the team, very clear not to let me use the word tracks because we treat these as topics. Because tracks sometimes implies, like, look, you don't leave this room. This is a sort of, you just stay in this area if you care about this, versus like there's different topic areas and you're going to mix and match. Uh, it's probably semantics, but let's go with, with topics. So, uh, yeah, the conference has a ton of topics coming covering things like spring and agile methodology and reactive programming, the case study stuff, cloud-native platforms, databases, the whole devops -y track. Uh, geode and, and some of the pivotal cloud cache stuff, which is great. And then you end up with things like microservices and, and serverless. So there's Lots of these different focus areas. I'll be shocked if people don't jump between them. I mean, some people just are just, you know, I guess, DevOps heads, maybe yourself, who just won't leave that room. But for the most part, I expect a lot of people to bounce around. We have, I think it's over 150 talks. We've got just a, a crazy list of enterprise customers presenting and speaking and, and attending. So I don't know. For me, this is, uh, I, I'm just excited by the audience. I think the, the, program itself is a lot of fun. We sold out the pre-training. So there's a bunch of training on Monday for, you know, things like Spring Boot and even Steeltoe, the .NET stuff, Spring Cloud, all these things completely sold out. So people are pumped. It's, it's good to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's, do you have a handle on how many sessions there are? I think there, 
Yeah, I think there's about 150 breakouts, give or take. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got, what, three hours of main stage stuff. And so I was responsible for putting together some of the main stage speakers and ordering and sequencing and that kind of fun stuff. So this this team at Pivotal has done a, a, a silly good job of figuring out all these logistics. But like the main stage is a lot of fun. We have folks from Google, Microsoft. We've got customer talks from like Scotiabank and Boeing and MasterCard and these others. So I just, I'm pumped to see a lot of customer talk. I made a tactical and maybe it will be a complete miss, but I purposely didn't put pivotal people on stage much. Mm. So Ansi Fakori is going to kick off and Rob Mee will make a quick sneak appearance and Cornelia Davis will jump on stage. But other than that, it's spring engineers and customers. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's kind of the way it should be. I mean, you know, we don't have to be up there just announcing stuff or making ourselves feel great. I think it's about highlighting good stuff that the people in the audience can take home from the yeah, conference. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm biased to what I pay attention to, but that's uh, that's the format I like, right? Because it's sort of like, I don't know, you can figure out the technology stuff any day. That's not a problem. But actually getting your, uh, getting as, as my favorite thing to, to sort of uh, use an example, getting those 19,000 developers at JP Morgan <laughs> Chase to improve how they do software. That's that's the real problem, right? <laughs> Although maybe right. JPMC doesn't have their problem, but you know, you know what I mean. And so it's good, sure. I think, to hear from uh, hear from actual people who have have been down that path, or and to be fair, all of them who are currently on that path, and hear what. Uh, on the one hand, you know, I mean, the, first of all, it's good to hear just the straight up like five to ten minute talk about how uh, things were terrible before and now they're awesome, mm. and right. uh, and because it's 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 nice to know that like you know. Uh, it's actually possible at, at, a, at an organization like yours. And then also in the, and sometimes in the shorter ones, but in the longer talks, especially in the breakout sessions, you get a lot of, um, you get a lot of tips of, of things to do. And I would say not only tips of things to do that you are tactics that you may not have uh, heard of, but mm -hmm. even if they go over the usual thing, uh, like you should have everyone in one room. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's validating to hear over and over again that you should actually do this thing, you know, like to go back to my favorite analogy pool, right? Like when it comes to, uh, to diet, I think the only thing we can all agree on is you should try not to consume a lot. We don't know if wine <laughs> right. is healthy, if coffee is going to kill you, is butter healthy or not? What's up with fried eggs? Like every, every five so or so years, the table gets flipped and everything's opposite, but we can at least what I always hear over and over again is don't eat a lot. And so, right. uh, you know, anyways, so th those are the, the takeaways you can have from that, I, I think. And, you know, I, I've, uh, so we're not supposed to say, uh, to say track, the topic area <laughs> that, that I, early on, I helped curate a little bit. And to be fair, mm -hmm. by help, it just means I think I had three phone calls where I, I told people what I thought about various rows in a spreadsheet. Uh, but there's, there's, uh, we, we put together in the, the DevOps and build pipeline uh, area. There's, there's some good talks like that from, uh, mm -hmm. from people like FedEx and, and, uh, who else is in there? Several other customers going over how they've actually done DevOps and cloud native things. And I've seen a few of these, uh, I think, I think, uh, great American insurance company is, uh, in there as well. And yep. I've, uh, I've seen and done a little bit of uh, messing around with like collaborating with some of those speakers on them and they'll be great. I'm, I'm also looking forward to the uh, not only of those talks, but of all the talks, the videos that we'll put up sometime afterwards. And those are I mean, those that that provides a good year of slide content for me. <laughs> Absolutely. You can just go in there and uh, and and get the exact advice that people say and uh, start building from it. So you don't have to. Uh, you know, frantically take down notes as you're sitting right. there in the room. Yeah. So, I mean, you're kind of asking 
which ones do you think you have to hit? And that's the one reason when I wrote the blog post, I kind of thought of who's coming because, you know, for one person, some sort of data talk is awesome. For another, it's meh. So, you know, when I think about, you know, as much as, again, these cloud vendor conferences are a lot of fun, you know, whether it's reInvent or Microsoft's Build or GCP Next, I mean, those are all great, but you're still living in their universe. So, you know, Pivotal at least gets to have somewhat of an interesting conference because we're the Switzerland of cloud, I guess. We're just going to make sure that you can run wherever you want. We're not going to have a, a preference. So learn about multi-cloud stuff. So there's a number of good talks from the Google folks, from Microsoft folks, from others. And again, it's practical stuff, right? Even our tracker team explaining how we moved between environments because, you know, most enterprises think about that too. So some good chances to see multiple cloud technologies, not just one. Uh, but in terms of like developer talks, you know, Spring Boot 2 is right around the corner. So you don't want to miss talks that really explain what's new there. You know, all this reactive stuff, you know, you and I could have had some people on the podcast to talk about reactive programming. It's going to be great if you can actually watch people coding it on stage. And sometimes things click when you watch an application get built and go, oh, okay, I understand why I want to do callbacks and I want to do async stuff, not, not a bunch of blocking calls. So hitting those. And I will say we just added uh, yesterday, we purposely kept it off the schedule just for sneaky purposes, but there will be a next version of PCF talk right after keynotes that I will mm. be doing with friend Jeffrey Hammond from Forrester kicking it off. So that'll be an hour right after the keynotes. Of course, shouldn't miss that because you make good choices. So that'll be a good one. <laughs> what, then, uh, what's, uh, what's, what's Hammond going to do in that? Uh, I've got him just doing like a puppet show to start with, really just mm. to warm up the crowd. He's good with marionettes. He's not going to admit it, yes. but he is uh, pretty adept. Well, it's, so, that, no, it's, that, uh, it's that New England vibe that, that you just pick up in the water right. there. You, you, no, you know, gonna, the, the Punch and Judy show just kind of came across the, the boat changing the marionettes and get skills. Yeah. So he's going to warm up uh, folks with some of the information, some research he's done around dev productivity and platforms and the like. So that should be uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he used to, uh, back when I was on the analyst circuit, he would, he did a good job opening up with like his most recent developer surveys for various things, which, mm -hmm. uh, which are always fascinating to look at. I haven't checked in on that so, in a long time. Yeah, so there's some other developer talks. Serverless Spring, I can't wait for. That team's doing some awesome stuff. And Serverless, and Mark Fisher and team presenting on that on, on Wednesday. But then, you know, the talks I'm probably going to spend a lot of time in as well are all those sort of transformation-y things that you, you were just talking about. There's, you know, Discover has a good story there. You've got, as you mentioned, a number of ones talking about CICD, so Liberty Mutual, others. That's, for me, some of the more interesting stuff because that's, that's the first thing that seems to unlock everybody. Like once you figure out how to start deploying code without 15 tickets. And as you start to automate your pipeline, everything else changes. So how are these companies like Liberty or Allstate or others yeah. pulling that stuff off? I think that that's one of the most impactful things you can do if you're an enterprise trying to figure out how you kickstart things is go to these CICD talks because you're going to pick up a tip that actually speeds you up. Yeah, no, it's true. That I've, I've, I've noticed recently uh, when talking with large organizations that Sometimes you have to painfully remind them that the whole point of all of this is to actually release the software. <laughs> and, so, okay. and so making sure that you have that, that kind of uh, last mile of a, of a pipeline set up and that you're, uh, you're even doing continuous integration and stuff, it's always good to not only make sure you're doing that, but learn from others about how they've, they've set that up because clearly there's, uh, there's challenges to doing that and uh, people are happy to share how they got over those challenges. Yeah. And then there were some talks, you know, I was thinking about when you and I were 
and really you did all the work as we talked about enterprise architecture over the summer and we talked about kind of the, the, what is that role of the architect. And so I was thinking through like what if I'm an architect attending and I'm trying to not even cling to relevance, but I'm trying to make sure I know the tech my teams are using, I know the new patterns they're using, how do I get this sort of crash course? And so, you know, there's courses on or uh, sessions on how do I warm up on Spring Cloud? Like, what is this thing? What are these microservices patterns? You get into all this sort of domain-driven design, event sourcing stuff too. So there's some great talks planned. Kenny Bastani has one on stater events. You know, how do I think of event-driven architecture? Like, that's a huge mm. talk, absolutely attend. And I love Ford is doing a whole, like, I guess they built this cloud reference application to demonstrate all these patterns that then they could do a roadshow of and show people. So, I mean, that's a great way, again, if you're trying to figure out how do you get a big organization to glom onto the core patterns you want, how did Ford do it? You know, how did they build and what, what did they build? They're going to go into depth on that. So again, as an architect, it seems like there's a lot of ways that you can speed up or accelerate or even just digest some of this new stuff that then you can go evangelize a bit. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, lot of stories being flung out there. That's good. I mean, I think, uh, is this the third one we've done? or uh... This is the third, this is the second one that's just been, I think, like platform. Because Spring yeah, 1 yeah, has yeah. been a, a kind of more of an open source community show for years. Yeah, that's, stuff, that's right. I guess, I guess the first year I was here, we had uh, the CF summits were the, the big events, and then we had this one. So yeah, yeah. No, it's a good, uh, I mean, the one last year was really good, and this one uh, is sizing up to be really good content-wise as well. So, you know, if you haven't bought tickets yet and arranged travel, don't listen to the dates that I just told you, because <laughs> I'll be wrong. But if you just go to springoneplatform.io, you, uh, you can sign up for it and... Uh, it's, it's, it'll probably be worth your time to, to check it out if you're uh, if you're working in a large organization and you want to improve the way you do your software. That's uh, that's that's what you'll get at the end of it. And then you know if you can't make it, just just figure out. I'm sure we'll we'll throw it out when we put all the videos up. But all the the recordings will be out there, and uh, hopefully there'll be curation cur- curiosityation, if you will, curation <laughs> going on throughout the year as as we and other people. Uh, write up and point out good tidbits that, that were in those. So then, then in addition to the talks, there's always the ancillary things going on. Like uh, before we were recording, we were saying how there's a, uh, I guess it's the second pivotal analyst day that we're having on Monday, which that'll be fun to, uh, industry analyst day, I should say. That'll be fun to sit in on and, and see what goes on in there and uh, see, see what kind of, what the analysts ask and which ones show up, what their questions are, and maybe they'll generate some ephemera as well. And then there's, you know, there's, of course, like the, uh, the uh, get, get some CIO executives together and have them talk with each other sort of stuff, which is also fun. And, yeah. and then you have, um, I think on Monday, well, it is on Monday night, uh, there's basically like a kind of like open community thing with a bunch of lightning talks and some, uh, uh, you know, lightning talks being like it's this five-minute uh, five thing where you have uh, 20 slides that auto advance on their own at 15 seconds and you give some talk about that. I have a talk that I'm giving there. And, uh, and then also there's, uh, for the, the bold, there's the, uh, ignite karaoke where there's, there's five slides that advance every one minute. So I'll let you do the math to figure out how long it is. And you just come up with a talk as you're seeing them for the first time. Now that, that, that video of you doing that is still one of my favorite things I've watched this year. It was just <laughs> such, such the best. So yeah, I'd encourage people, even if you're terrified of doing it yourself, you should come watch other people figure out how to answer questions about a clown on a slide or things like that. Yes. And we'll, we'll see if they all get used, but I made, I made 10 of the slide decks for this Ignite karaoke thing. So it'll be, it'll oh, did be, you? 
this is the first time I've done that, so it'll be a good learning experience for me to see if wow. it, it, I'm especially looking forward if it gets used to the one about dealing with millennials. See, <laughs> see how that pans out. Uh, that's going to be great. Yeah, so that, that'll be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's, uh, that's, do you have any other thing that you want to uh, sort of preview about what's going on there? I mean, I guess, I guess it, you know, it's worth pointing out, uh, despite YouTube videos being uploaded, what we can upload is all the people like hanging out with each other down there in uh, downtown San Francisco in the aforementioned uh, Moscone West. There's a Boca de Beppo down the street if you want to book the Pope table. I don't know if you've been there for a while. I, I have not. Uh, but, you know, it'll, it'll be really fun to hang out with people, uh, hopefully not too early in the morning, but uh, throughout the day and just talk with them and uh, get, get, get all sorts of input about what they're going on that they, they would talk about publicly or not otherwise and just meet a bunch of new people to uh, start putting on the, the roster of interesting folks to talk with. Yeah, the hallway track is always the best at shows like this, isn't it? I mean, it's, the, it's that chance to, to kind of meet some folks and, you know, all the pivotal heavy hitters or most of them are going to be there. So if you ever want to tackle Josh Long and get a selfie or, mm. you know, have that Cote time, like everyone's going to be in one place, which is awesome. So I think for a lot of folks, we are almost sold out ridiculously. We're significantly larger than last year as a conference. We've sold out sponsorships. Like this is a big, big fun thing. There is still time to, to buy tickets, but we were just going through in Slack today and there's, there's not much room left. So it's, uh, even like physically, like we could we're already overflowing in the, uh, keynote hall and stuff like that. What a great problem to have. So you still have time to buy tickets. It's definitely worth being in person just for the, the kind of the conversations. And, and let's be honest, I don't know about you, Cote, but I have always promised I would go watch conference material after, and I never spend actually eight hours in my chair watching it. I end up all tabbing to 50 other things. I'm not absorbing it at nearly the rate of sitting in a room, thinking about it, kind of just fermenting this information. So, you know, in person always beats watching replays no I, I think i think that's definitely the case it's hard to uh, hard to make yourself pay attention to that you know and then and then of course as you mentioned there will be the uh, what do we call it we, i bet we don't call it an expo or a booth floor but what's what's the area <laughs> with the uh, with the, with the, the the sponsors yeah so we've got this you know kind of crazy sponsor list again i mean what i, I don't know about you and maybe i'm just living in hyperbole land right now but i mean i look is, is there a conference that you know google microsoft vmware oracle dell you know, Virtue Stream, all these companies sponsor together. Like that, that's a weird show. And you've got, you know, Rackspace, Solace, Solstice, you know, HCL, Capgemini, Cognizant, Accenture, all these sort of consultancies, software companies. And a lot of them have booths. A lot of them have some really wicked demos they've put together for their booths. And there's even going to be a couple of surprises uh, for some of the vendors who are, are bringing, bringing some, some pretty cool stuff on site. So it's definitely always fun to walk that floor and, and just get a sense for what are people building. And you know, you still have companies like Comcast and, and others, Allstate, who are also sponsors. And you can say, what in the world are they going to do there? Mm. Hey, I guess come find out why customers also set up booths at a conference like this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe we should either either with you or someone else, we should figure – I used to do this at South by Southwest for a few years. And uh, we would go around and do the uh, the booth swag report and, nice. and do some commentary on, on what the swag was, the good, the bad, things like that. And it makes for a, a fun little video. It requires a little bit of editing, but I've recently been using the uh, the iMovie, yeah. very good editing tool. So I'll have to find some time to uh, and, and some cohort to go around and do that. 
that that would be enjoyable. That probably uh, won't like, happen, but it's a good. I idea. like this challenge. So if you're one of these vendors with a booth, it's time to to step it up and, and do the mesh T-shirt or you know whatever you think you you were missing. Yeah. You need to bring it all in this time. Like I'm looking at a piece of swag I got recently. I'm sure you've seen this, uh, Richard. You get the uh, it's this little multi-wire charger thing that has uh, the two types of USB. I guess A B. I don't know about C. The two types of USB on it, and it has a lightning cord, and of course like the big USB thing. And then inexplicably, it has like that really old uh, iPhone charger. You remember the, the, the very long one? And Classic. so I've, I've seen some of them where they don't have that. But I think that's, you know, that would be a question you would ask people is like, do you really think that people are going to use this? Like, why, why do you have this extra thing on here? And then they just kind of look at you confused and you edit that, the rest of it out. That's, that makes for good, good TV. Anyhow... This has been uh, another Pivotal Conversations episode. If you want to get the most recent uh, episodes, look at the back catalog and everything, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Pivotal Conversations. Uh, we've got everything there, including a link to the RSS feed and the place we play, post our show notes, which is at pivotal.io slash podcast. And we usually get those uh, up every Thursday or so. You can find the links to the, um, the things that we've mentioned and the accurate date for the conference next week. Uh, there's also, I'll also put a discount code there uh, that you can use to get $200 off, I think, still, if you haven't registered yet. Um, but uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>